Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Do thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, Sunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the latest in treatments and prevention regarding Alzheimer's disease and other dementia from a leading internationally known physician and researcher. In addition, we're going to learn about an upcoming event that will be take place on Friday, November the 5th in the Shreveport and Bossier City area called Charting the Course. So an educational conference on Alzheimer and other dimensions dementia that will be taking place in our area. So we're going to learn more about that. It is Saturday, October the 30th, and we're broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we'll be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the November issue, The Best of Times, at one of our 270 distribution locations, beginning on November 1st. We do thank for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our 270 distribution locations, do visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. In addition, to view and download the 2020 21 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, our most popular publication and downloaded item from our website. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. In addition, you can learn about upcoming events and activities. Great news, our friends at Orleans Restaurant is pleased to bring back the Best of Times Thursday night dinner starting at 4.30 p.m. each and every Thursdays in October and, of course, November. This special Thursday night dinner is hosted by the Best of Times magazine and radio show. In addition, our friends at Always Best Care. Advanced reservations are highly recommended by calling 318-226-1325 due to the popularity of this special dinner. Again, that number is 226-1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Abers, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show are two important special guests, Miss Paulette Freeman, who is the Executive Director of the Bridge 
Alzheimer and Dementia Resource Center located here in the Shreveport and Bossier City area. Also, we have Dr. Richard Isaacson, who is the keynote speaker at the upcoming educational event on Alzheimer and other dementia that will be held in Shreveport from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the First United Methodist Church in downtown Shreveport on Friday, November the 5th. So, thank you, Dr. Isaacson, for joining us today. Thank you, Paulette, for joining us. Thank you, Gary. So, so, Doctor, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, I know that you were originally from the New York City area, but now recently moved to the great sunny state of Florida, right? Yeah, so I grew up, born and raised in New York. I grew up on Long Island over out in Suffolk County. I've, uh, my travels have taken me all over the place. I went to medical school and uh, undergraduate uh, in uh, Missouri at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. I trained uh, all over the place, too, uh, from um, University of Miami to Boston, Harvard Medical School, and then back to Miami, and then back to New York. I'm a Yankees fan, so I had to come back to New York at some point, uh, but the family's all in uh, South Florida, so I uh, returned uh, just, just a few weeks ago. Actually. Well, congratulations on that move. I know the, the family's going to love having you down there, and I'm sure you're going to be loving it, having that nice warm climate, and those people up there in the, the northeastern uh, part of the country are going to be envious of you. Uh, being in warm climate as well. So thank you for joining us today. I know that Paulette's thrilled to have you as their featured speaker in, uh, on November 5th, and uh, we're encouraging more and more of our listeners and readers of the best of times and anyone throughout the area to attend attend this fantastic uh, event and conference they're having. So Paulette, tell, tell our listeners about some of the speakers that you're going to be having, including Dr. Isaacson. Yes, yeah, so um, Dr. Richard Isaacson is uh, internationally known, leading expert and Alzheimer's, and we're fortunate to have him come. And in addition to Dr. Isaacson, we will have local experts here that also um, are uh, very knowledgeable about Alzheimer's and dementia and how to navigate your way through it. You know, there's such a tremendous need um, for ones when, when a loved one is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So this is your opportunity to learn more about the disease and how we can help our loved ones. So I noticed you're having uh, Dr. Carl Rhodes. I know him real well. He's He's yes. a remarkable, remarkable gentleman. You have Stacy Hand. You have Elizabeth Dispro, uh, um, Tamara Crane, Crane. Miss Crane, and Megan Harris. Yes, Dr. Megan Harris, a uh-huh, neurologist here. And Kedgy, I know her pretty well. Great, great. Uh, yes, yeah, some great speakers, and they're going to talk about some of the the inner workings and how to find. Uh, I love there's some of the topics in there. So it, it's going to be not just a one hour presentation. I know Dr. Isaacson, you're going to be speaking. Uh, for a lengthy time, which is great to have you here that long. If you come to Shreveport and Bossier, we might as well keep you for a few hours. Is that right, Doc? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I really love that um, I, I get this opportunity because, you know, I think what happens a lot is, um, you know, a speaker gets up there and they talk and talk and talk, and then there's like always five minutes for questions, and then there's a line of people, and then I'm rushing to the airport. And this time we said, you know what, let's, let's change it up. Let's do what I think maybe people want. And, and that's really an opportunity to ask questions. I want to make it as open and interactive as possible. I mean, I, I'll get up on the podium, you know, I'll give my, uh, you know, uh, my spiel and then, you know, li- give a little time for questions. But then I'm, I'm staying. I'm, I'm going to stay around. We're going to then take a break and then we're going to kind of try to make it as interactive as possible. And um, I think that's what, um, not just people want, but people really need. Um, you know, Alzheimer's is just a terrible, terrible disease. It's, it's, it's among the worst conditions I've, I've ever been around. I have four family members. Uh, that are affected with Alzheimer's disease. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, doctors just don't have enough time to treat the patients. There's so many patients. There's not enough doctors. There's not enough resources. So I'm really excited because we've really set up a, a program and, and an event where people can listen, they can learn, and then they can take the time 
to ask questions. There's not going to we're not going to be rushed. We're gonna, we'll have hands up. We'll we'll have interactions and and you know I I can't give specific medical advice, but at least I can try to give um, you know a general overview to to people um, um, when they have uh, important questions when they're dealing with this stuff day to day. Well, Doc, I'm going to give you a kudo here. I uh, briefly I I didn't get a copy of it, but I perused your book. It it's remarkable uh, and has some great insights. I uh, hope you bring a few copies that you can sell. I'm sure the Paulette and the, the company will have a few here, but I think, in, hey, they'll get an autographed copy. He's here. So, uh, again, I, I was impressed. I, I I was shown it a couple of days ago, and I was very impressed with it and some of the items. I know you're going to be talking about some of those, and we're going to touch on a few of those today, and I'm sure your presentation is going uh, to involve some of that regarding nutrition and exercise and activities and releasing stress, et cetera. So, uh, again, I'm going to put your kudos in that particular book. Uh, tell our listeners the name of that book so they can uh, – I haven't put it on my website yet. But what's, the, what's the title of the book? Sure. So the title is The Alzheimer's Prevention and Treatment uh, Diet. It is a book that focuses mostly on nutrition, although about 20% of the book, maybe even 25, uh, does focus on kind of the everything else because, you know, you, you can't eat a magic blueberry and think you're going to prevent or cure or, or treat <laughs> Alzheimer's. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, we don't have the, the perfect, we don't have the best treatments yet, and we don't have, you know, we're very far from a, from a cure, and and you know we can we can reduce risk and we can uh, you know possibly prevent a large number of cases, but we can't prevent them all. So the book basically goes through a step-by-step approach on how people can live a more brain-healthy life uh, using nutrition as the base. But you know, as we'll talk about today, and of course as we'll get into lots of detail uh, soon, um, really it's it's there's no one magic thing anyone can do, and it's the the biological principle of synergy. One plus one equals three. You do a little bit of this, you eat right, you exercise a certain way, you see a doctor and get certain medical conditions cared for in a certain way, and you you do the right things with sleep and stress. You do all the things together, and that's when we can have the most positive impact on brain health. The earlier you start, the better the person will do, and the book uh, kind of gives a roadmap to, uh, to help guide people through that. Well, I, I like your comment about the instant blueberry. You know, get the quick pill. Get the my son's a physician too, and he tells me the same thing. He's, he's a young doc, probably a little, little bit younger than you are, but he, he tells me, Dad, there's no magic pill. You have to do the following, or you don't need this type of medication because you're going to have more side effects in taking this to, to solve it. And you have to we have to solve it in a holistic approach. He's not a doctor of OD, but he. Uh, he uses those kind of terms, which I hear, based upon what I'm, your your knowledge, you're saying the same thing a little bit more holistic approach, not not uh, having that take those magic blueberries, right? <laughs> though I love exactly. blueberries. Though I love blueberries. <laughs> oh, I love blueberries too. I, I actually blueberries and strawberries, a half a cup, two to three times a week, can I, over the lifespan, can actually delay cognitive decline awesome. by up to two years. And, and that was actually from uh, the Nurses Health Study, which is a, a landmark study that came out about a decade ago. So, yes, I love blueberries. I think blueberries are great. I have a colleague at the University of Cincinnati who's basically, you know, trying to understand why blueberries, and he goes down deep with the science, and he's getting the, the antioxidant chemicals, and the, he takes it out, and he puts it in these anthrocyanins, and he's trying to create a magic blueberry pill. Uh, but we're not there yet, and I, and I agree with you. The comprehensive approach, and, and whether you use the term holistic or comprehensive, um, I like the term comprehensive because... You know, you, you know, I'm a peaceful person, but when it comes to fighting a battle or fighting a war, you know, you don't um, really win the war without the Air Force, the Marines, the <laughs> Special Forces. My dad was 
uh, in the Coast Guard. My uncle, Bob, who had Alzheimer's, uh, was in the Navy. Uh, you know, you need all the different branches uh, to, to be successful, and it's the same thing with medicine. Um, food is medicine. Nutrition is medicine. I, I don't even think nutrition should be thought of as outside of medicine or, or holistic. It's just it's, it's part of medicine. So I hope that, um, you know, when people come down uh, to, to the talk and when people, um, you know, want to learn more, they're going to learn a lot of things that people can do um, from a medical uh, perspective, from a health perspective, from a wellness perspective that are evidence-based and safe. Um, and um, I'm excited to share that with everybody. So, so let's let's do a little dialogue here. You had mentioned to me that it affects Alzheimer affects five million Americans. Wow! And it's the most costliest yeah. disease in the United States. I didn't know that. The most costly disease in the United States. Yeah, it's um, you know it's striking, and, and you know there's a lot of you know cancer is terrible, and you know uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, mm-hmm. myotrophic lactosclerosis. There are some terrible diseases out there. Um, Alzheimer's is one of those terrible diseases, and it doesn't just affect the person with Alzheimer's. It affects the whole family. And, you know, people have to take off work to care for their loved ones. Um, Family members, um, you know, are stretched, uh, you know, stretched super thin. Um, It's a very costly disease because aside from the medical cost, you have the caregiving cost. You have the, um, you know, the the supervision cost. You have the, you know, this is a, a neuropsychiatric disease, this disease affects um, not just brain function in terms of thinking skills and memory, but also it affects psychiatric issues, behavior, um, agitation, aggression. And when you have to manage through this very wide range of symptoms and this very wide range of, of, uh, you know, different types of, um, you know, presenting factors, um, you know, it takes a village and it takes a village in terms of multiple people. It's costly. It takes many hours. You know, people um, can't take care of themselves. They need help with bathing and, and, um, and you know, their finances. They, they can't drive themselves places anymore. So it's an extremely costly disease um, across our entire medical system. So the other statement that you made that to me is an interesting one, which I, maybe I've never heard it. It must be in your book as well. It says 46 million Americans currently have Alzheimer's disease beginning silently in their brains. So explain that to us. And they're not showing any symptoms. That, that was a striking uh, observation there. And how was it determined? I mean, how did they come up with that? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, uh, this is something that, you know, I've seen in my own family members when, you know, um, I sat next to my, um, my dad's cousin at a wedding uh, back in 2007. And, you know, um, you know, she asked me kind of like what I was doing at least three, four, five times in the duration of uh, a, a a wedding. So say over three, four hours, she repeated the same question three or four times. Now, to me, that was very apparent that something was going on, but it took her, her doctors, her primary care doctor, another four years to finally mm-hmm. make a definitive diagnosis of dementia because, you know, people think that there are certain things that happen with, with memory glitches that are normal with aging, so the average age of del- the average length of time of delay from even when someone has mild symptoms that are kind of brushed off as normal, um, you know, you can you know miss out on on a, on a diagnostic opportunity for years. Aside from that, even before that, the disease actually starts silently in the brain twenty to thirty years before, and and this is something that you know science never really recognized. They thought when someone got dementia, they got dementia. The disease just started then. 
But we now know that's not true. And people, um, believe it or not, in their 30s and 40s that are not going to develop symptoms of dementia till they're, you know, late 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s, this disease start, starts decades before. And I think a lot of people think that Alzheimer's is a disease of older people. Yes. Um, I don't really agree. I think it's a disease of middle age um, and, and even younger middle age. And I think um, once we start um, being able to test uh, for, for things and doing, um, you know, a blood test, there's a new blood test that can detect um, different markers of, of Alzheimer's disease that recently uh, came out within the last year. Um, you know, that may not be a perfect test, and we still need more research, but I think in the next, um, you know, several years, just like we get a cholesterol test where we look at total cholesterol and HDL, the good cholesterol, and LDL, the bad cholesterol, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a blood test, like a screening test uh, for brain diseases like Alzheimer's, and we're going to be able to detect whether something may be brewing so that we can do something before symptoms start, and those symptoms start uh, you know, a long time after the first um, pathology or the first sign of the disease happens in the brain or in the body. So, so Doc, do you feel that this is being emphasized by other physicians and other clinicians that, you know, let's, let's, let's look at some markers and look at some possibilities uh, that an individual may have, may have it silently, but they're not showing any symptoms and they should be doing something to delay the onset? So um, I would say absolutely. Um, I, I guess what I would say is, um, you know, while we don't have the perfect answers, um, we do know that there are certain early life, midlife, and late life factors called modifiable risk factors that people can take, um, you know, a different path to try to uh, reduce their risk and delay their chances for cognitive decline. And, you know, I started seeing my first a person uh, for, you know, for to reduce a person's risk for Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's prevention back in 2009. And this was a family member of a person uh, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, who was my patient. And um, that's a lot of the people who I see, the people who basically are caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's. They want to do something to, um, you know, minimize the chance or reduce the risk. And based on the, the latest evidence, there's a study that came out called the 2020 meaning just in the year of 2020, Lancet Commission, it was a big group of, of investigators, expert investigators from throughout the world, many based in Europe, actually. And they showed that four out of every 10 cases of Alzheimer's disease may be preventable if that person had done everything right. And, wow. and that doing everything right means modifiable risk factors. And those factors are different depending if you're younger, middle, or older age. Okay. Uh, going one, going back one step, I just want to mention this. Uh, I, I recently attended a seminar, and it caught my attention because I don't know. We're not going to uh, advocate all these people out there, but I'm a. I subscribed many years ago to Twenty Three and Me, and they provided me with. And I didn't know what it meant. I asked my son that it, there was some marker that it said. Based upon, I can't remember, I don't have it right in front of me, that you're, you do not have uh, this particular mutant or whatever gene that has been shown to cause dementia in later stages in Alzheimer's. I, right. I, I'm sure you're aware of that. What is R4 or something? I mean, I don't have the notes in front of me, but I just thought about it when you mentioned about not knowing it. There, there's, there are some markers, there are some possibilities. You said the blood test, but uh, I was thinking this genetic testing that was done. And I'm sure there's more sophisticated ones than the ones that are done by uh, 23andMe. Uh, have you have you seen that as a particular marker that can maybe help us and help individuals find out it's it's there, but not getting in? You need to take some actions. 
Yeah, so absolutely. So I, I don't know if you remember this, but when you got your 23andMe uh, test results, I'm not sure what year it was, but when that test result comes back on whether or not you have um, zero, one, or two of these, uh, they're called APOE4, APOE4 yeah. uh, variants, actually when you get that, you go to a little page and then a, a video pops up of a very dapper, uh, good-looking neurologist. <laughs> okay, so he may not be the best looking, um, but actually, um, I actually uh, that, I was you? that was you. That was that was that was me. That was really, me. I, I did I'm watch it. Now I don't remember that. I don't. Hey, I, I what a small you know, world. Can I, can I tell you a story? You know that that day I flew out to San Francisco. We had the whole photo shoot. Whatever. There was no hair and makeup. I, I so Uh-oh. I so you, you probably did, it was I was underwhelming because there was no hair and makeup that day. Oh, doc. I need, I, and I need help. I need the glam squad. When <laughs> oh I wow. Well, I'm uh, going to go back and watch that again now. Hey, that's... there you go, there you go. I just I hope so. Hope yeah, the but um, somebody so brought that up at a conference I was at. They raised their hand and they said, "Gary, that is true," I, I, but I don't know what that meant. And it, you know, they, I, yeah, everybody, somebody said, "Well, you do need to get the videos, and there, there's explanation about that. It's not conclusive, but it's a good indicator." So I mean, what exactly. else? Exactly, and it's it's one piece of the puzzle. And the, having the APOE4 variant um, does not mean. And I think I, say, I may, may have said this in the video, but and, and we've published a lot on this, and we do a lot of our research around this. 25% of the population has at least one copy of this APOE4 variant, that's just genetic variant. It's very common, but having that gene does not mean you're going to get Alzheimer's disease. It may increase risk a little bit, but there are tons of people. More than half of the people that I see in my practice, about half maybe, do not have the APOE4 variant. Uh, oh. But then again, a lot of people do. About 40% of the people I see have one copy, and about uh, 10% or so of the people I see have two copies. And having two variants certainly increases your risk. But again, sure. genes are not your, our destiny. We can win the tug of war against our genes. And when we know our APOE4, when we know our uh, blood levels of cholesterol, our blood sugar levels, you know, having diabetes doubles the risk, doubles the likelihood of a person developing Alzheimer's disease, when we know our numbers in terms of blood pressure, you know, having high blood pressure, that fast forwards a person on the road to Alzheimer's disease, and we don't want to fast forward. This is the one time when we want to be on the road or we want to be sitting in traffic. That's, that's the goal. We want to slow down the course towards Alzheimer's, and having a pulse on a person's genetics, on blood pressure, on blood tests like blood sugar um, cholesterol, inflammation markers, nutrition markers, vitamin levels, and then also really understanding um, a person's body composition. And that means how much body fat does a person have? How much muscle mass does a person have? Um, these are things that are directly related to brain outcomes. As the belly size gets larger, the memory center in the brain gets smaller. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. And, and that's something we look at. We track waist circumference. And, and we, we've seen that when people are successfully able to reduce their waist size and, and basically through exercise, nutrition, and other, you know, adequate sleep, for example, when they do all these things together, they lose belly fat and their memory function improves. So, wow. so the take-home point with all of this is, you know, what I've been saying lately, and I don't say this too often, is this being recorded? I guess people are going to, okay, I guess somebody may record this. Um, <laughs> what, what I basically say to all of this is, I think of Alzheimer's more of like a medical condition and a medical disease than a brain disease. Um, now, not in all cases. There are certain genetic causes that, you know, almost directly, immediately cause Alzheimer's in, in people when they're younger and 
there's basically not much they can do about it, but that's a very rare, small number of, of people. Um, but what I would say is that I think of Alzheimer's as a medical condition, just like where, you know, someone that has diabetes, you know, may have kidney problems later and may need dialysis. It's kind of the same thing. When you have all of these medical problems that are brewing, that are, you know, board, oh, the borderline levels of blood sugar, or the borderline cholesterol, or the borderline this, or the, okay, I'll exercise once a week, but people really need to be exercising at least three, four, five times a week in order to, you know, stay young and, and, and body and brain healthy. Um, I really think of Alzheimer's as a medical condition, and if we can understand our risk factors, like genetics and other things, we can then change our behaviors to have better brain outcomes. Awesome. So hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now our work with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Town and Country Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Bears Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today are two special guests. It's Ms. Paulette Freeman, who is the Executive Director of The Bridge, the Alzheimer and Dementia Resource Center, and Richard Isaac, Dr. Richard Isaacson, who is the keynote speaker at the upcoming educational event on Alzheimer and other dementia that we held in Shreveport uh, on Friday, November the 5th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at First United Methodist Church in downtown Shreveport. So we encourage everybody to, to attend this event. You can call for more information at 318-656-4800. Again, that's 318-656-4800. Or you can go to their website at www.alzbridgeconference.org. So thank you, Dr. Isaacson, for joining us today here on the show, and thank you, Paulette. Uh, we've been touching some of the topics that, that the doc's going to be discussing uh, as his keynote speaker. Uh, uh, this has been fascinating already, and I'm sure my listeners are, are, itch, are itching to learn more. And if they attend the conference, he's going to be there almost two hours of giving a detailed presentation and, uh, on, this, on this particular topic. And uh, we've been touch, touching on some of those. But one thing I wanted to emphasize to our listeners is, and you mentioned this, the pre-symptomatic stage of AD, you you feel that physicians like you and others with various brain-healthy lifestyle, dietary choices, and, and changes can delay the onset, right? Um, yeah, I really do. Um, I uh, feel passionate about it. I, I I've dedicated the last 15, 20 years to, uh, to be honest, trying to prove uh, that this that this works. I think, you know, I think it's it's, a, it's this is a, again Alzheimer's is a terrible disease. It's just it's a it's a thief. It robs the person of who they are. It robs family members of of, of time with their loved ones. Um, and I think what happens with diseases like this is that, you know, like I, I for example, I have a family member who did everything right in my opinion, like she lived a healthy lifestyle. She didn't do anything wrong. Like, she did what she should have done in terms of doing the right things, and she ate the right way, and she still got Alzheimer's. So the complicated part about Alzheimer's disease is um, there are certain people that can do everything right and still get Alzheimer's, but four out of ten cases of Alzheimer's are related instead to modifiable risk factors. And, you know, for example, we had talked earlier 
about this gene. It's called the ApoE4 variant. 25% of the population have it. I really believe that when someone has the ApoE4 variant, I, I don't, I don't want to sound cheeky or, or you know, uh, <laughs> whatever. I, I, I want to say that when someone has that, that's probably a good thing because I know what I'm up against. And the ApoE4 variant, sorry to get technical here, but stands for apolipoprotein. Lipoprotein is basically cholesterol. And when someone is on a cholesterol road to Alzheimer's and we can control the cholesterol through diet, exercise, nutrition, medicine, whatever else, supplements, then we can probably get them off the road or, or at least get them in sitting in traffic um, on the road to Alzheimer's disease. If, if that's a positive thought, yes. That's, that's a positive thought. I, I don't like sitting in traffic, but in, in this case, I'll take it. If we can delay Alzheimer's or cognitive decline by six months, a year, two years, or five years or more, and in that time a blockbuster drug comes, well, guess what? Then we've prevented Alzheimer's, and, and that's, that's really what we want. We want to delay Alzheimer's long enough to where we either get enough time for science to catch up and find a cure and a, and a drug, um, or several drugs, because um, it's a complicated disease, or we want to, you know, uh, we want to delay it for so long that the person will have something else to, 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 to deal with that, that uh, you know, that, that, you know will make change their mortality or whatever. So the take-home point here is I really believe that the evidence suggests um, that you uh, can absolutely take control of your brain health uh, by a very you know, and it's, and it's you know, I, we generalize a lot. We say diet and exercise and sleep and stress. The devil's in the details, and there's a lot more. Um, <laughs> That's true. You know, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, it, it, the, the concept here is called precision medicine, where Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith has one set of genes and medical conditions, and Mr. Smith needs to follow the pathway A, B, and C down the list. But Mrs. Jones, well, she's totally different. Mrs. Jones... You know, men's brains and women's brains, you heard it here first, are different. Um, you know, the, the perimenopause transition, the hormone changes that happen during the, the menopause transition, that has a very unique, um, sometimes negative impact on brain health for women at risk of Alzheimer's. You know, Mrs. Smith, well, she's going to need therapies X, Y, and Z because of her specific risk factors, her medical conditions, and her genetics. So the take-home point about where Alzheimer's prevention and, and reducing risk is going is this concept of precision medicine, and we're going to really get into a lot of detail because uh, I know we have uh, you know a good amount of time today to, to talk about this. But you know, you need hours and hours and, and days and weeks to, to really go full bore. Uh, but in, in, isn't a lot of medicine going to that specialized precision care? I'm, I'm happy to see it. It's not the shotgun approach. This is specific, patient-specific, condition-specific, diagnosis-specific. It, it gets down to the nitty-gritty. I, I like instead of the shotgun approach, right? The, 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 We'll just give them everything, and hopefully one of them will work. And that, that's. Uh, but one thing I, I do want to emphasize: I know you've done you've you've researched and you've done some research because uh, I, I do a magazine and I do talk radio for 21 years, and and we emphasize in our magazine about brain exercises and by puzzles and games and and. But many years ago, Doc, there was no good research, and I had some of my skeptic positions and research, well, it hadn't been proven that those crossword puzzles will help anybody with dementia or Alzheimer's. I said, well, that's true, but I think it helps. I mean, my, I hear from all of our readers out there, they love the crossword puzzle, they like the Sudoku, they like, so we, we put those in every one of our magazines and also online, etc. But recently, t- tell me, correct me if this is wrong, I've seen reports that now, yep, yeah, it, it does, maybe not helps a lot, but it does help. It's like 
exercising the brain. So can you, yes, and like musical sure. activity, learning a new musical in, instrument, doing challenging your brain to learn things, a new language, et cetera, will, will make your brain work, right? Better. Yeah, so if you don't use it, you lose it. And I think we're all aware of that comment, and we say it a lot. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it, the brain is kind of like a muscle. And if you kind of, you know, for example, COVID, this, the, the quarantines, and, you know, my mom's in, in an assisted living, and she was on lockdown for, for quite a while. She had no interaction with, with people in the outside world. She was stuck in this, you know, very small 180-square-foot room. And, um, you know, when you have the sensory deprivation, when you're not seeing people, talking to people, um, listening to music, um, playing the crossword, but you know, doing all the things that you like to do to engage the brain, it really, um, you know, just, just changes the brain. It really makes someone less interactive. It affects their cognitive skills. It affects their attention, their speed of processing, their memory, uh, their ability to learn new information. So but the brain is, is like a muscle. And, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, I, I would say I, I agreed with, with those other doctors that basically said, well, there's just not that much evidence. And, and what I would say 15 years ago was, if you enjoy doing it, if you enjoy the Sudoku, great, do the Sudoku. Doing Sudoku over and over again is definitely going to get you better at doing Sudoku. But we just really wasn't sure. And, and I think, think in some, some ways we still need more evidence whether Sudoku and other things have what we call a spillover effect, meaning does it help um, with, with other parts of brain function. And when it comes to things like learning a new language, learning how to play a musical instrument, especially midlife, uh, playing a new musical instrument, that can delay cognitive decline later. Um, I think some of the recent studies that you're, that you're referring to, yes, um, you know, playing crossword puzzles, and, 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 and especially if you enjoy them, um, ha does, has been recently associated with better cognitive outcomes um, as we age. So, you know, I, I guess what I would say is the data are uh, more confusing. I think the, um, the, the evidence on brain games, there are certain brain games, and I have nothing uh, to disclose. I have no business relationships with any um, you know, brain <laughs> game companies or anything like that, so I just want to be clear about that. But there is um, actually a, a, a specific uh, type. Uh, it's called um, uh, Brain HQ, and Brain HQ is developed by a company called Posit Science. And again, no, no, no commercial relationships. This was really probably the best studied um, uh, program where you can kind of go online, you, you join, you pay a few dollars a month, whatever it is, and you can do brain exercises and brain training that does have what's been proven to be a spillover effect wow. um, where you have better outcomes um, 10 years later. So what I would say is um, the doctors you talked to 15 years ago, I think many of them um, will be um, starting to change their mind. Um, and uh, again, doing cognitive activities and cognitive training and cognitive engagement um, is really a critical part of our um, Alzheimer's risk reduction plan today. Well, the other thing I want to just tell you about, we have very loyal radio listeners, I mean, readers of the Best of Times magazine, and if we forget to put one in there or reduce it for space for some, we get more calls and letters and saying, Gary, what happened? What happened? We've been used to it for the past 24 months. What happened? I say, hey, things happen, you know, sometimes, but we get more comments about that than about any other particular item, but I feel, what, what I've heard from my readers, some are old, some are younger, that it stimulates them. It's better than just watching the TV. It's interaction. It's doing a little exercise. Uh, the, one thing. Well, let's 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 go. Let's do a break, and we'll come back. I'm going to ask you about sleep because I found your book said something that a recent person told me on a, on a particular presentation. I thought it was remarkable about uh, fasting and sleep. 
We'll be right back with more information. But now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, Patrick presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Town Country at Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Bear Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today, our special guest is Miss Paulette Freeman, the Executive Director of The Bridge, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, as well as Dr. Richard Isaacson, who is the keynote speaker at an upcoming educational event here in the Shreveport area on November the 5th. And we encourage you to make plans to go to attend this particular event. It uh, You can call their number at 318-656-4800, or you can visit their website to register at www.alzbridgeconference.org. Uh, if you don't know that information, you can go to the Best of Times website, and there are information on how you can link to these particular this particular conference, and Dr. Isaacson will be the keynote speaker and here for several hours discussing a lot of the items that we are talking today, but much, much more. Is that right, Paulette? Yes, you know, and I was thrilled to have Dr. Isaacson come speak, but after listening to this radio show today and, um, you know, and talking to him today, I'm even more excited. So, everyone, please register for this event. Um, I think you will find it very informative. Well, one item I want to touch base on Doc is uh, when I was gleaming your book. By the way, his book is remarkable. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, once you definitely promote it at the event, hope Paulette, you should promote that particular book. Uh, I don't know if you can or cannot, but uh, it, it was pretty remarkable. Uh, the one item in there which I've heard from other speakers that talk about is fasting, the twelve-hour and the sixteen-hour fasting, which you include in that book, as well as getting enough sleep. And, and tell our listeners why that is important. I mean. Yeah, so these are some concepts that, you know, first of all, a lot of doctors don't learn this stuff in medical school. I'll start by <laughs> saying that because a lot of this, a lot of these data are, are new, and I think people out there in the public um, just never get taught this. We we weren't taught this stuff in health class in, in middle school and junior high, because uh, because the, the data and the evidence wasn't wasn't out then. But the, the concept here is it's not just about what you eat; it's about when you eat it, and you know. Our kind of biology, the human race, like, kind of wasn't set up for or, or really uh, made for eating food around the clock. Um, you know, uh, when we were, you know, older times and caveman times, we, we didn't eat 24-7. We didn't have vending machines in the corner. We would, we would eat uh, when we could eat. You know, we would, we would get our prey and we would eat and we would eat a lot. And then we wouldn't eat for a while. And then we would eat our prey, and then we would, you know, we wouldn't eat for a while. So the take-home point um, with uh, nutrition is not just about what you eat. You know, you need to have the fatty fish, and you need to have the green leafy vegetables. You need to have the good fats versus the bad fats. You need to avoid all the processed foods and the, and the fried foods and stuff like that as much as possible. But it's also a great idea to give your body a rest. Now, You've heard of the different organs in the body. One of them is called the pancreas. The pancreas is involved with, uh, you know, problems with diabetes and blood sugar and insulin. You may have heard these terms before. Um, but it's nice to give the poor little pancreas a rest. And, and what <laughs> happens is, is when you're when people are eating food at all times, you know, I'm, I'm traveling now. I'm in Florida, and uh, 
I'm uh, I I was hungry last night, and I I uh, I may have had uh, two scoops of ice cream before bed at, at 10:30, and and that that wasn't nice for my pancreas, and, and all night long my pancreas had to work instead of get, getting to relax. So um, what I try to do um, at least four or five times a week is 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 wait a solid 12 to 14 hours, um, even 14 to 16 hours, and you know I'm uh, you won't have to be a little cautious because everyone should talk to their doctors before making any. Um, you know, changes people with, you know, certain types of diabetes, for example. It's not a good idea to, to not eat for, for 14 or 16 hours. you got to be cautious. Um, but for me personally, I do a 14 to 16-hour fast um, at least four or five days a week. Um, I skip breakfast a lot. That's basically what that means. Um, and it's just a great way to not just reduce the overall amount of calories that I put in my body, but it's a great way to calm down um, uh, that, that insulin hormone. Insulin is the thing that has to get released by the pancreas when a person eats sugar or any sort of carbohydrate. Uh, and there's sugar in everything. It's not just sugar in a sugar packet. But, you know, when you have milk, there's milk sugar. And when you have, uh, you know, even vegetables, there's there's a little bit of carbs in vegetables. But because there's lots of fiber in vegetables, it slows digestion. It doesn't spike the blood sugar. But things like soda and high fructose corn syrup, those things spike the blood sugar. And when the insulin has to get released to bring down that spiking blood sugar, Insulin causes inflammation in the brain, and it's fast forward. Um, you know the the pathology, the bad stuff uh, that that builds up in the brain of a person with Alzheimer's, and that bad protein that's called amyloid protein. So, insulin and sugar and and, and fasting are all related to brain health. And uh, you know, not just you know, just eating eating less. Um, there's something called the Elf diet. I don't think a lot of people have heard about it, but it's called Elf. Eat less food. Eat less food, <laughs> and you eat it all in a in a Eight-hour time frame in the day. Um, that's uh, that's that you know do that four or five days a week. That's that's going to really pay dividends uh, over the long haul. And the other thing that you mentioned is sleep. And I think a lot of people get really discouraged because they say, um, you know, Doc, I'm I'm doing what you told me. I'm eating better. I stopped the snacking. I, I haven't had ice cream after 10 p.m. Uh, in a few weeks. I'm doing you know, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, I'm I'm doing everything. I'm exercising. I'm walking. For an hour, three times a week, I'm doing weights a few times a week. I'm, I'm I'm running on the treadmill at least once or twice a week, and you know they're really starting to build up, and they're they're at least getting more active, but they're not losing weight, and that's a really frustrating thing. And, and they say, Doc, well, well, tell me why this is, and I say the first thing always, I say, Well, Mr. Jones, Mrs. Smith, how much are you sleeping? <laughs> oh well, uh, you know I've been working, I got a big project, and I got uh, five and a half hours a night. You can't expect to sleep five and a half, six, six and a half hours a night um, on a regular basis. Less than six and a half hours a night can really have a negative effect, not just on the body, but also brain health. And when you don't have adequate time for the body to rest and repair itself, um, you know, and, and calm down that inflammation, um, believe it or not, it really impacts, um, you know, body fat and it impacts. Well, emphasize that to, point. It repairs. I, I learned this several years ago from a. Neurologist, it repairs the body repairs itself, especially in the brain functions. When you when you sleep and get a good restful sleep, it's 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 still working, but it's cleaning, right? It's doing some cleaning systems that's, in your brain. That's ex- yep, you're hired, Gary. That's ex- that's exactly <laughs> correct. So, um, colloquially speaking, you know, just to try to keep it simple, that when exercise is is performed, it loosens up or, or really, um, you know. Uh, shakes up the bad proteins that build up in the brain of a person um, that has this early Alzheimer's stuff going on. 
And the problem is, is exercise is great to loosen it up, but, but when you sleep, that's when the, the, the disposal system, the trash gets taken out. I don't want to use two big words, but you have the bloodstream, which is, you know, the blood um, system, which you, everyone knows about. You have the lymphatic system, which is lymphatic drainage. That's the immune system. And then there's a system that nobody's ever heard of, basically, called the glymphatic system, and that's the, that's the trash. And, and without uh, deep sleep, without having sufficient sleep, that's the stage of sleep, you're exactly right, Gary, where the trash gets taken out. So if someone really wants to protect themselves against brain decline and wants to have a better outcome in terms of blood sugar and, and diabetes and weight and all these things, they need to sleep on a regular basis, they need to exercise on a regular basis, they need to eat a healthy diet, and that fourth pillar that I think a lot of us just really overlook, and I'm guilty of this too, and that's stress, because if someone is stressed out all the time, and the cortisol, the, the stress hormone is going, 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 we all have to take a deep breath, I think, several times a day, because when that stress hormone keeps going and going and going, it causes inflammation, and inflammation is going to cause a lot of negative outcomes both in the body and the brain. Awesome. Well, thank you, Doctor, for taking valuable time to be on our radio show today. We're excited to have you coming in this report area on November 5th. Remember, everyone, you can listen to him and hear him give a great presentation at the uh, Alzheimer and Dementia Educational Conference that will be taking place on Friday, November the 5th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the First United Methodist Church in downtown Shreveport. And we look forward to having you and the other uh, six speakers there for a full day of great education for for uh, the loved ones and family members, et cetera, and maybe having individuals that that uh, can definitely benefit from your presentation, from your advice, from your suggestions that hopefully can benefit them. Paulette, any closing words here? Yes, I think not only is the conference going to be informational, it's going to be motivating. Oh, that's a good word, motivating. He's already motivated me today. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank exactly. you, Doc. Thank you for taking valuable time. We look forward to meeting you personally. Uh, I'll be there myself, and I'm hopefully many hundreds and hundreds of people will also be in attendance of this particular conference. So God bless you. Take care of yourself, and thank you again for being part of our show. Great. Thanks for having me, and to all the listeners out there, um, my, as my mom taught me, Rome wasn't built in a day. If you're listening to this and you feel motivated, but you're also feeling overwhelmed, but all the things you need to do, um, baby steps. Uh, baby <laughs> steps uh, is, a, is a great way to start. Your perfect, perfect uh, suggestion that my son also uses also. So I love that. I love that particular aspect. So again, yeah. thank you, sir. Everyone, thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times in one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Kiel.